Fundamental Life Podcast. So, welcome to the Fundamental Life Podcast. We are working on episode number 17. It's been a minute since we've been on the mic, all the way since March 13th. What? We've, yeah, we've been really busy and uh, uh, just haven't got uh, on the mic, so I apologize. But we do have uh, some really, really good stuff to talk about today. And uh, my sidekick, not my sidekick, Batman is on the mic <laughs> with me. I'll, I am Robin. Whatever, man. Matthew, cool. Christian Arnold, and myself, Steve Saxton. We will dive into some good information. How are you doing, my friend? Good. You know, it's funny you talk about being busy, and it's, uh, I think that's, it. like, you know, we, we usually start off talking about some little things here and there, but uh, yeah, I think that's such just a great segue, you know, <laughs> into some of the things that we can talk about, and that is um, why, why are we so busy right now? Well, there's this word, and I've tossed it around a little bit, um, more of an acronym, and that acronym is FOMO. And that acronym is, uh, it's interesting because there are a lot of people that have fear of missing out. Oh, is that what that stands for? That is what that stands for. Oh, I thought it had some sort of profanity on that F, but that's cool. Whatever. It is a profanity right now. <laughs> so FOMO is uh, something that we are dealing with every single day. People, have, they're afraid that they're going to miss out on home ownership. They're afraid that they're going to miss out on getting a low rate. They're afraid to put their money anywhere. They're afraid to do so many things. And fear is not, um, the best way that I can put it is fear is not the best circumstance to make life altering decisions under. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, sir. I, I fully, fully understand. So when we, when we talk about FOMO, fear of missing out, and we're talking about money and homes and financial matters. Why, let me ask you, we'll just pitch this out there. Why would you not want to make decisions with fear under your belt or fear behind you pushing you and motivating you to do things? Because when you're afraid, you just, you don't think things through and you make poor decisions. I mean, you think about it, man. Let's, let's, let's go back to the 1980s and all the slasher flicks okay you know oh man i love them slasher it, flicks it's like you're sitting there in the theater and these people are walking into like an abandoned house it's like don't go in there the guy with the chainsaw is in there what are you doing they go in every time every time because you know why they scared and you get that music i'm just saying man yeah dude it's freaking you know you when you're afraid, you don't think things through. You don't think clearly. And it's uh, there's probably some, I don't know, super smart medical people that'll tell you that you got some sort of, you know, drug that races through your brain. And so your your adrenaline's going and you're just, you're just walling out, man. You're just going as hard and as fast as you can because you don't want to die. Who? <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. That was my nemesis, man. Oh, man. Freddy Krueger, baby. Freddy Krueger. I, I remember there was a night where my parents left. I'm the youngest of five <laughs> kids. I don't know how old I was. My older brother that was still at home was gone. And my uh, I'd watched Nightmare on Elm Street a couple times. Maybe it was just the first one. 
And I don't know why I watched it because that stuff freaked. I don't know if it's freaked every little kid out, but dude, Freddy Krueger. I was so scared of Freddy Krueger, bro. And like the room was dark and I sat in the corner and I didn't want to move. Oh, yeah. Because I knew that Freddy Krueger was going <laughs> to, I heard the music. <laughs> no, that's Jason. That's, that's. Uh, I don't care. I still heard the music in my head. <laughs> Night, bitch. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I know Kruger, man. That dude, he dude, was that he, sweater, oh, the striped sweater. Oh man, the scissors. Oh, oh man, not that. That was my nemesis, just oh. to not to detract. But I was so scared of that show, man. Yeah, and so that's that's the whole thing. You probably you know sit in the corner till your parents got home, and then you get nailed. I and, called him. Oh, dude, see, when you're scared, you do dumb stuff. I called him, and I was like. I'm scared Freddy Krueger might be in the house. <laughs> Come home now. I got the lip quiver. <laughs> it's an emergency. <laughs> when in reality, Freddy Krueger wasn't in the house. No. He wasn't anywhere. He, that's Hollywood ketchup. That's right, baby. You know? And so that that fear, uh, it does force you to do stupid stuff. And sometimes you get lucky. And that mm -hmm. stupid stuff is like, ta-da. It results in like these amazing things. But you're not uh, analyzing the situation very well. And in, in terms of like what we do, okay, when we talk about fear, people are coming to us and they're afraid they're never going to be able to own a home if they don't buy right now. Mm -hmm. Right now, prices are, they're high. You mm -hmm. know, there's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Home prices have escalated immensely. I think the national average uh, year over year, so in the last 12 months, across the nation is 18%. Okay, mm -hmm. So that takes into consideration, you know, your $200,000 condo, your $10 million property, everything all the way across the state. The average is 18%. And that's even including rural America. Yeah, yeah which doesn't, which usually doesn't see that type of appreciation. It's a little slower. Uh, I want to say... So if that's the average, that means that there's got to be certain places that are up 25%. Like Utah. Yeah. Like single family homes and stuff that, you know, is under 650 between that 200, well, you can't even get for 200, but between that 300 and 650 mark, it's seen in many areas, it's not uncommon to see 20 to 30% appreciation. So the same home is selling for 20 or 30% more. It's interesting because on the flip side of that, that homeowner who bought 12, 18 months ago, he thinks he's the smartest dude on his block. Oh, dude, he is. He's though. the smartest dude in the room. He, right? he, he is a real estate investor. <laughs> yeah. That, we'll, we'll, we, we'll, we'll talk about that. But so for the, the guy who, um, the newlywed who just got married that's out there, and I get it, man. Like, you don't want to rent because. Lots of times you you have this, you know, you're paying someone else's mortgage and we hear all these different things. You don't want to rent. You are afraid that you're going to miss out on home ownership. What the hell do you do? And and that's what we need to to talk about. Like what are the what are the uh, pitfalls? What should you do? What are the goods and bads? How do you go into it and make a decision that's going to be right for you and your situation? And I think you you've mentioned this uh, on other podcasts. Sometimes it is okay to just sit on the sidelines and you don't need to be in the game running the plays. It's okay to sit on the sidelines and watch other people play for a minute. Uh, if you're in college, if you don't know, uh, if you're going to be moving in the next year or two, if things are a little bit uncertain, that should go into your decision. 
Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And that's a, that's the other thing too, is like, you know, everybody is making all this money on uh, real estate. And that's what people believe. It's like, oh, dude, I bought this house, and now it's worth a hundred grand more. Well, do you have a hundred grand more in your bank account? Yeah. No. So, really, honestly, your house is worth a hundred grand more. But guess what happens in November when the tax man cometh? He's going to assess your house for a hundred grand more, and now your taxes are going to go up, and with the cost of construction. Now, all of a sudden, your insurance is going to be like, dude, yo, we cannot replace your house for 300000 anymore. It's going to be like five hundred because the cost of wood and wire and lumber and blah, blah, blah. So now, all of a sudden, your insurance is going to go up. So it's like, yeah, your home value went up hundred grand. Good for you. But now your payment's going up. Yeah. And in order to get that money... You need to A, refinance and cash out. B, sell. If you sell, well, if you refinance, your your payment's going to go up, right? Mm -hmm. If you sell, then that means you're homeless. Mm -hmm. And so you have two decisions. A, you go and rent. B, you go and buy another house that's also has an inflated value or an appreciation of 20 or 30%. Mm -hmm. And so it... Listen, you have to have somewhere uh, to to sleep, to eat, to store your things, and a place that you can call home, whether you're renting or you actually are buying that home through a mortgage. But just don't do it out of fear, you mm-hmm. know? And I guess, you know, when we, when we start analyzing all these different things, more, more often than not, I see these homeowners that are just, they're afraid. And it's, it's not up to me to be their, you know, their parent or whatnot, but I try to help them talk through like, how much money do you have available? Um, you know, is this, is this something that, you know, are you going to be in this home for the next five years? What does your job situation look like? Is it going to be sufficient if you have children, these type of things. And sometimes it just falls on deaf ears because they're so afraid that they're never going to own a home and they want to stay here in the Valley or they want to stay in Utah or in Salt Lake and they just are are afraid, and so it's it's uh, it's just a very interesting time. I've never seen it in twenty two years of doing this. I've never seen a time where people are are making decisions out of fear like they are right now. No, and it's it, it's uh, it's disconcerting because, like like I said, I don't I don't want people to make bad decisions because if you make bad decisions, uh, it's got a ripple effect. Yeah. And like, you know, if you're, you're pulling out the max cash out or buying the maximum that you can afford, that's where, that's where I'm saying like first time home buyers, you know, like they're coming in and they're writing offers on four $500,000 homes and wiping out all of their savings, wiping everything out. And they're at a 49 debt ratio. And it's like, well, I got to get in. I got to get in. Well, I understand, man, but is this a right decision? Because, well, I'll live in this house for a year and then I'll sell it for a hundred grand and then I'll buy another house. That's and the it's problem. Like, and I'm like, listen though, man, like if you sell your house in a year from now for a hundred grand more, then you're not going to be able to replace your house with that hundred grand down. Yeah. You mentioned the, the one thing that is very, uh, interesting, concerning, uh, 
and that I have fear of for these homeowners. When you're banking on the home appreciating and you plan on supplementing your income with the home's equity or you bank on selling it down the road and you're kind of pigeonholed into if things don't continue to appreciate, then you're in trouble. Case in point, I have several purchases, not one, several purchases right now for first-time homebuyers, give or take 400000 on their purchase price. They're paying above the appraised value. One in particular is paying $65,000 over appraised value. I have another one paying $20,000 over appraised value. So what does that mean? Okay, so you're going to come in with 3 or 5% down on the purchase price, and then you're also going to bring in 65000 on top of your down payment or 20000 on top of your down payment. I have a couple uh, that uh, are getting a gift from their in-laws, parents, to make up that difference. So the day you move in, you're essentially uh, underwater. And so if the market doesn't continue to appreciate at 15, 20, 25, 30%, and let's say that it, you know, things happen and the market turns and in August of this year, we see values level off or maybe they even decline a little bit. I don't know what's going to happen then you're in a bad way. You're in a bad position. And I hear these people online. I hear these people talking, talking heads on TV, and they just think that it's going to be sunshine and lollipops. They have it all figured out Buy this, buy that. Everything's gravy. The economy is money. Anyone who tells you that doesn't know what the hell they're talking about because they don't know. They're, they're making an educated guess maybe with rose-colored glasses, nobody really, really knows. The people that you should listen to are those that say, hey, use caution. Don't be motivated out of fear. Use caution. Analyze the situation and do what's going to be right for you so you're insulating yourself from financial problems. Because if you don't do what's right for you and you just follow what everybody else is doing, you can put yourself in a really, really difficult situation. Absolutely. It's uh, you rewind, um, two thousand seven. That's fourteen years ago, man. That's yeah. so I can't believe that was fourteen years ago. Seems like yesterday. I know, man. Hey, I remember there was uh, there were certain things that I saw that I found concerning, a little disconcerting, you know. But I didn't give much stock. You know why? I was thirty one. I was like, man, money gonna be rolling forever. And that's how I thought. I've been in mortgage at that point for 10 years, and uh, mortgage had only gotten better. I'd never seen it, like, have a problem. And then it had a problem, and it was a major problem. And now I look back, and I think, and I look at the, the historical markers, and I look around, and I see some of the things going on right now, and it's, it's a little disconcerting. Now, am I saying we're going to have a massive crash? No. No, I'm not saying that. Not even a little bit. I'm just saying that don't make major life educate like educate yourself and don't make these decisions because you think that you're going to miss out on the only opportunity in your life. Yeah, and you know, let's look at the other side because we're we're talking about uh how this can affect you negatively. Okay, let's talk about why you should buy a house mm-hmm. right now. Okay. There's equally as many, if not more reasons that you should 
buy a house, but don't be motivated out of fear. So if you uh, are uh, a newly, you know, new couple or you're moving here from out of state or you're stepping into a home because the one you have is too small, right? It's, it's a great time to buy. Why? Interest rates are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. When I got someone busting my chops over three and a quarter versus two and seven eighths, I'm like, really, dude? Really? These are extremely low rates. So let's say, for example, you can afford 2G a month in your house payment. You can go rent a place for 1800 bucks, two grand, or you can buy a house, part with a little bit of cash, and have a $2,000 mortgage payment. Well, at those rates, eh, this I mean, this I'm generally speaking, but about 700 bucks of that payment is going to principal. You're paying that down. You have to have somewhere to live. You're paying the mortgage down six, seven, maybe 800 bucks a month at those rates that we're looking at. And so is it, is it a great time to buy? Absolutely. With rates where they're at. And like I've said a million times, you have to have somewhere to sleep. It's just make the decision based out of educated, you know, information and do what's right for you. I think that sometimes we, because of because of the things in the past that have happened with lending, with the housing market, and we've been doing this a long time, you and I tend to look at things glass half full or glass half empty. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it, you got to kind of look at it and say, well, the glass is half full and it can be all the way full. You know what I mean? And so you were, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I look at it as a glass yeah. and it has water in it. Yeah. Well, I think that more. sometimes we come across more pessimistic than we actually are Mm -hmm. because we're providing uh, caution. Uh You know what I mean? And I don't think that's bad. I just think that we've seen those markers, right? When you're driving down the highway and there's these road signs and it says bump ahead, curve ahead, 35 miles an hour, and you don't pay attention. Your cruise is set at 75 and going to the guardrail, bro. Yeah. And so now, hey, sorry. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, somebody I know had that happen. <laughs> Into the guardrail? It was you, man, in Michigan. Don't you oh, remember? yeah. That was our icy roads. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. Go, go it ahead. was an overpass. They were icy roads, and I just rail slid the rail a little bit. <laughs> it was no big deal. Anyway. Why, why you got to bring that up, uh, bro? Oh, man, it just, when you said that, you're going to hit the guardrail. It just instantaneously made me think of that. Yeah, there was no sign that said caution, black ice. You're you're in Michigan with fog. So, but I mean, those markers are there, and you know you can. I mean, I can pull a 35 mile an hour corner 55 like just fine if I'm in the right vehicle, right? But not pulling a trailer Mm-mm. on icy roads. Nope, nope. So look at those markers, and you know don't uh, don't just look the other way and act like they don't matter because people are saying like the economy is flourishing and will continue to flourish forever. Those markers are there. So you got to, you got to take a peek at them. And that's, that's where I'm um, uh, really the caution that like, when you look at it, it's like, okay, if you're a W2 employee making an hourly rate and your house payment goes up, you're going to have to get a second job because it's not like you can just produce more money. It's not like you're on commission or bonus structures or different things like that. If you're making 15 bucks an hour and you're working 40 hours a week and you need more money, there's not much you can do there. And that's why, like, when I look at uh, some of these, uh, you know, 
markers and different things, I, I guess I would say, you know, uh, take into consideration inflation and uh, the, the property taxes going up and homeowners insurance going up and all these different things. Because if you don't, now all of a sudden you're going to be in a position where you can't afford to live. And sometimes you got to look at that and say, what can I comfortably afford? Not what is the maximum I can afford. Yeah. There's speculation is what, uh, like when people, uh, speculate that things will continue to go up, that's a risk, right? When you build a spec home thinking it's going to be worth more than, uh, when it's done than it currently is right now, that's a risk and you can afford to take a risk. Okay, everything in life has some level of risk. Might be low, might be a little higher, and you, you need to you need to have uh, reserves. You need to have that that money sitting there. That if it doesn't work out, are you going to be screwed? You know, do you have something to fall back on? Do you have a soft, pillowy uh, financial situation where if it doesn't work out, you can shrug it off and move on, and it's not going to devastate you and your family? But to your point. Um, if you don't have the ability to increase your income or you don't have uh, reserves to pull from, it might sting a little bit. Uh, but y- if you don't have that ability to, to pull from those things, you can get railroaded pretty quick yeah. and find yourself in a really, really difficult spot. And I can tell you there's no worse stress than financial stress. Mm-mm. It puts a burden on you emotionally. It causes anxiety. It puts a burden on your relationships. And then you start to do some really stupid stuff and just insulating and avoiding putting yourself in that position is always the best option. I'm not saying don't take risks. When you get up in the morning and you drive your car and you drink a soda, there's a risk, but it's very minimal. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, So you, you just got to look at things wisely. Yeah. And that's it. You know what, what it goes back to the fear factor, you know, if you if you're making decisions just based solely because you're terrified, then you're gonna just make bad ones. Well, I was I had an electrician wire in my basement years ago, back when I lived uh, in Suncrest. Oh, okay. And uh, I was like, dude, I do not understand electricity. This stuff, I'm scared of it, bro. I don't even like to change light bulbs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to shut things off and deal with circuits. And he's like, Steve, you're only understand. You're only afraid of what you don't understand. And I was like, yeah. I don't understand electricity. That is why I'm afraid of it. It's always stuck with me. And so when I'm afraid of something, I try to go get educated on it, you know, and, and look at things like from both sides, pessimistic, optimistic, and then the glass being empty, like you said, and just try to get information because it's out there. And then you can, if you make the wrong decision after doing your research and it's not out of fear, then it is what it is, man. That's life. You know, you can put yourself in, in a good good situation or a bad situation, but you should be uh, making informed decisions. Total. No, I agree. What else you got? That's, I mean, really, honestly, that was, that was my whole rant for the day. I've been, you know, sitting back, you know, waiting on everything because it is, it's, it's one of those things where my phone is blowing up and it's the same it's almost the same conversation every day. You yeah. Know? What do I got to do? I got to do this. I got to do it right now. I got to do it. Me, 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 me. So let me transition to this next piece that I wanted to touch on. So with with these home buyers that I've done loans for over the course of the last, uh, let's say, one to five years uh, on their, their first home or maybe their second home, 
Well, because the home that I financed 18 months, two years ago has gone up in value immensely. Like I said, they're the smartest guy in the room, right? They see their homes gone up a hundred grand in income uh, or excuse me, a hundred grand. And maybe they only have 70 or 80,000 income annually. And they're like, man, I, I made more on my house than I did at my job. I should be a property investor. I should be, I'm a savant when it comes to the real estate game. And that's a, that's a faulty uh, fool's way of thinking. But trying to talk sense into that individual who's convinced himself that he or she is a property investor is, it, it just falls on deaf ears. So we have these clients that come in and all of a sudden they want to buy a second home in St. George. They want to buy a second home in Park City. They want to buy a duplex in, you know, Moab. And you and I see these all the time and they're coming across our desk constantly. Um, how do you feel about that? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it goes back to the, again, the FOMO. It's like, okay, I have, I made more money on my house this year. And it's like, but did you really? And, you know, and then it's, so then you see, start seeing supplement uh, income, you know, what, what was the figure you gave me about last year on cash out transactions? Oh, I can't remember. It was, it was significant as far as how many transactions out of the, I can't remember, but it was significant. Yeah. And that's like, I can't remember what you told me, but it was like $20 billion was pulled out of homes last year. Yeah. It was more than that. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. And so you look at that, it's like, you're pulling out of your equity to supplement your income. And, uh, that's where it gets, uh, people don't like to change their lifestyles. And if your house doesn't go up 70 grand next year and you go to pull out, or I'm sorry, a hundred grand next year, and you go to pull out your 70 grand to consolidate and pay for different things, then all of a sudden you just got a pay cut for this money. And so that's where it's like, you know, um, that's what I see when, when you have these property investors, quote unquote, it, what was, dude, you got to give a stat about real estate agents. What was it? Oh, dude. <laughs> dude. oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. There's officially, this is crazy. Hey, by the way, like I just noticed Chuck Norris across the street mowing his lawn with oh, his shirt off. Yeah. It's officially summer, y'all. <laughs> yeah, It's buddy. officially summer. So we got, a, we got a cat across the street. He looks like he's probably an old uh, uh, army vet. And uh, he's, he's fairly, he's, well, He's what we call fat buff. I'm just going to be blunt. So he's like pretty jacked, but he's like kind of heavy set. And it, when summer rolls around, you know it's summer because he comes out and mows his lawn without his shirt on. We call him Chuck Norris. And the reason why we call him Chuck Norris, because he used to do tie bow in his living room with the windows open. <laughs> and so when we first moved in here, we'd watch him and be, he'd be all Billy Blanks in, in the living room. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's Chuck Norris. Yeah, I would not mess with that cat, though. No. He looks mm -hmm. like he would rip your head off. So, um, what was I talking about? Oh, the real estate agents. So yeah. real estate agents officially, there are more, this is about two weeks ago, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, there are officially more licensed real estate agents in America than there are listed homes. Boom. Which is, and dude, that is a, such a crazy, crazy statistic. Drop the mic. <laughs> more, more listed real estate agents or more, more real estate agents than listed homes. It's just, that's a pretty mind boggling stat. There's just no inventory. And so let's, I want to go back to this cat who these people who have owned homes and they feel like they're property investors because the home value has gone up. 
just pump the brakes, man. Like if you, if you want to buy a second home and, or an investment property and it's going to rent, you're going to do nightly rentals because your brother-in-law did it or your cousin did it or your dad's done it in the past. That's great. I encourage you to do that. What I also encourage you to do is look at your breathing room. In other words, if things don't go exactly as planned, do you have the ability to still cover your personal bills and the nut on that, uh, on that investment property? And if, if, if the, if the business plan, you know, you, you're going to make these, uh, you're going to buy this investment property and the payment's 2,500 bucks a month. You ran all the digits and it looks like it's going to bring in three grand a month. And you're like, oh, I'm going to make 500 bucks a month on this and I'm going to pay it down. And those renters are going to pay my mortgage, right? So Suckers. Yeah, suckers. <laughs> I'm the smart guy. That's, that's great. But you better have uh, the breathing room, the financial capability, the money sitting on the sidelines to endure a market turn. I'm not saying the market is going to turn. What I'm saying is that if it does turn, do you have the ability to make it through that? We, we've, like you mentioned, uh, back when the things got, went south in 08. Well, guess what? It's 12 years later and things are beautiful. Like it's back. We're way, we're above the value where the values were then. And so it's fine. As long as you had a long-term mindset, right? Um, if you can ride that business cycle out, real estate, in my opinion, will always be a valid asset to, to have and to hold. But if you didn't have the ability to have it sit vacant for some time because people couldn't pay rent or didn't pay rent, or even in the course of right now with a pandemic, they don't have to pay rent, right? Then you can put yourself in a, in a bad situation. And when you're doing it out of greed and fear of missing out, you better have those resources sitting there because um, it can get ugly really fast. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you're really scared. Yeah, then, then you then you're really scared, and then your wife's looking at you like you dipshit. Why did you do that? And you're looking at her like you supported it. We have a house in St. George to go down in the winter, dude. It's like uh, I would compare it to, like I said, you know, you come upon the house in the scary movie, and then you go in the house, and then the dude comes out with a chainsaw. So it's like you're afraid, and so you make a bad decision, and you go in the house. But now you're really scared because the guy's got a chainsaw. So what are you going to do? You don't remember to run with high knees, and you trip over the low <laughs> branches, dude. And you freaking, and next thing you know, you fall on your face, and dude's got the chainsaw right up your back. All I heard was high knees, <laughs> financial high knees. Yes, that's my new term, <laughs> financial high knees, financial fitness. So, yeah, you, if you go in the house, you better have a chainsaw on and some armor. Yeah. Right, I'm not saying don't go in the house. You can go in the house, and I mean you could you could take Freddy Krueger down. Jason, oh. not that well. Jason's pretty strong. I wouldn't oh, mess with Jason. Dude, that guy is huge. He's like <laughs> six nine, six ten. Yeah, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, um, do we want to make it short, or do you have other stuff to to knock on today? Not really, man. I mean, we can just. Uh, I mean, that was that was the big that was the big thing on my uh, on my palate, so to speak. The, the one last thing I do, that we've talked about a lot off air is uh, the appraisal piece. And um, appraisals are they're the most difficult part of financing uh, right now. They just, hands down they are. It doesn't matter if we're working on purchases. Because what, what, what clients, what listeners, people listening to this need to understand is an appraisal is the opinion of one individual on what your home 
or any home is worth. And they have guidelines they have to use, but it's their prerogative on uh, what homes they want to pull up in the general vicinity of any property to compare it to. Because you always have to have comparables to compare against the home you're appraising. But it, it can be, regardless of which appraiser does it, they're going to pull different comps, you know, different comparable sales. And they might be bad comparable sales. They might be good comparable sales. But unfortunately for uh, all originators, this is not just us, this is across the country, we have to go through what's called an appraisal management company. And essentially that's a third-party custodian that facilitates the order, and we don't get to have any communication with the appraiser. And so that's become a very, uh, not just value, but just getting the appraisals back in a timely manner. I ordered one nearly four weeks ago that I just got back today. Oh, did you get it? I got it this morning. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So now I get to be the one that complains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it, man, and the, what sucks is, what is it, the 21st of the month? 22nd. Um, 22nd. This home was inspected, meaning the appraiser went to the home on the 5th. And I just barely got the appraisal today. So the homeowner's blowing me up saying, Steve, where's my appraisal? Why do we not have it back yet? And I'm like, let me follow up, dude. So I call the AMC and they tell me the appraisers should have it. He's drawing it up. And it's just, it's very, very, very frustrating. And then to have them come back low, mm-hmm. lower than the homeowner anticipated, lower than the purchase price. It's like such an integral part of the mortgage loan process that's completely taken out of our control. And to be clear, if we speak to the appraiser as originators, it's an offense and we can get in deep trouble for that. So we can't do that. Mm-mm. No. And, and it's frustrating. And like, like you said, you know, it's, uh, and so that's the crazy thing. Cause I just had situation with an appraiser. I had to have four revisions on my appraisal because the dude kept doing it wrong. And the, the homeowner's like, dude, what's this guy's problem? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, can I call him? I'm like, absolutely. In fact, please do. Every day. But when you talk to him, you got to make sure, please, thank you, kindness. Because if you call him up and be like, what the hell are you doing? You stupid, you know, then we ain't going to get what we need. Yep. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, like, that's what happens with appraisers, man, is like, uh, I had an appraisal come in abysmally low a few years ago. I mean, it was so, it was just grotesque how bad this appraisal came in. I rebutted it. It's probably one of the only appraisals I've rebutted. And I got 40 grand more in value, which was 10%. And uh, anyway, I was talking to the the homeowner. I was like, man, yeah, I don't know. And she's like, well, I don't think he liked me. I was like, why? And she's like, well, my dog bit him and then peed on him. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so, like, take that into account when the appraiser comes. You want to treat him very gracious. Offer him, if even if you don't drink, have beer in the fridge. Offer him a beer. Offer him a soda, whatever. Do you remember that appraisal I had out uh, that had a uh, pedal bike on the roof? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was like 20 years ago, yeah. man. That was the coolest thing. Had, we got the appraisal back, and this is back before digital photos. They actually had to take print the photos and glue them to the paper. And then the appraiser would deliver the report, three reports with 
you know, physical uh, pictures glued on there. Three reports would get delivered to us. I get this appraisal back, and I, I'm not kidding. There's a BMX bike on the roof of the house. <laughs> I think that I think that appraisal was like sixty five grand, dude. Yeah, it probably was. So make the beds, take the bikes off the roof. And, uh, you know, anything else to make the house like appear where that it's worth, you know, maximum of what you want. So yeah, appraisals are, they're, they're a thorn in the neck right now. Um, okay. Takeaways from this bad boy fear. Don't be afraid. Don't make decisions uh, under duress of, you know, missing out, uh, get educated. If you're going to make decisions, get, you know, all the information that you possibly can. And then if you absolutely need to buy a house, the, the, the one thing I will mention as we, as we wrap this up, you've got to be willing to take some risk and you're going to end up paying right now in, what is it, April of 2021, you're likely going to end up paying more than the home is listed for. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, good on you. You're still going to be competing with a magnitude, multitude of uh, buyers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they also want the house. It's just, it's just the reality of the situation right now. And that's where, like, the biggest thing, you know, um, patience. I mean, really, honestly, like, you're going to have to be patient or you're going to have to be stupid. And, you know, there's there's one thing, and I don't want to say stupid. That's just not, that's not what I mean. But um, there's one thing back to your stat about realtors. There's a lot of realtors and there's not a lot of transactions going down. And there's a lot of realtors driving around writing 18, 19, 20 offers for the same borrower. Yep. And so it's like when you get that deep into transactions, it starts to turn into a little bit of this realtor needs this commission as much as they need air. Yep. And <laughs> so it's like, don't just listen to your realtor and say, oh yeah, no, that sounds good. We should, we should pay 50 grand more than, than the, the appraised value, or we shouldn't have any sort of contingencies. It's I, I understand, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta be patient to protect yourself. That's the thing that you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a very, uh, impatient time. Uh, and I don't know if it's just what's happened, uh, with technology and how quick you can get stuff. Everything is literally at your fingertips, Amazon, you know, the internet information travels super quickly. There's not a lot of patience that you hit the nail on the head, man. I just had to, I'm just gaining knowledge while I'm on the mic with man, you. Man, that, that just came to me. It was like, <laughs> you know, pure intelligence poured into yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah. Patience, patience. It just sit back and you know glean information and be patient i've i've my uh son when i have talked to him about this several times when you really like go to make big decisions and you make the decision it's not like you're going to get this ta-da you should do this but when you make the decision do you do you still feel good about it like when you've mentally committed to something or is it scary and confusing and and fearful then yeah, maybe that's not the best decision but you just got to kind of uh you know follow your inner instinct i guess and uh, it'll it'll help you out so well let's wrap this bad boy up we appreciate everybody listening sorry we've been uh, uh off the mic a little bit um if you've listened to uh, this episode 
obviously, because you're listening to me now, go back and listen to some of our previous ones and feel free to hit us up. Uh, please shoot us a rating. And more importantly, uh, share this with your friends because we've got this episode, but there's several um, before this that uh, I think you know can benefit a lot of people, particularly first-time home buyers, particularly people that don't have a lot of education when it comes to buying a home. You know, what do they need to do with their credit? How do you you deal with accumulating assets? And what does it mean to qualify? What kind of income do you need? All those questions are answered in previous podcasts. So. Please listen to the other ones and share them with your friends and like, comment, review, all that good stuff. Yeah. And I, in closing, I only have one thing to say, and that is Friday night, 7 o'clock, Mortal Kombat! <laughs> yeah. Does that the, come out this week? Yeah. I'm going to see it, 7 o'clock. Number anyway. five. Yeah, but this is like a redo. It's like, oh. it's like a... It's like a like forget everything else is a new it's like this is gonna be awesome it's a re-up yeah nice all right catch you on the next one guys thank you so much